I've got something to to nitpick. Tyler's got something to say. If you're waiting, okay. if you're waiting more than 20 minutes in any fast food line, you have problems. Okay, I don't know whether this is a, an issue that everyone deals with out there or it's like a Colorado thing. I'm sure it's not just like a, a Colorado thing. But if you go to In-N-Out at any point during the day, you're going to have to wait at least 20 minutes. And if you go to like a... a In certain, Colorado, yes. Yeah, and if you go to certain Chick-fil-A's, same thing. I mean, there was... I, I counted... Uh, this was uh, on Saturday, this past weekend. Okay, so I know it's a little more busy on the weekends. But I was with my fiance, and we counted 22 cars in line at Chick-fil-A. It had snaked around the parking lot so much and people were yeah. waiting. And we, we obviously, you know, I was doing the math and it's like, if every car takes just two minutes, which obviously is not going to be the yeah. case, you're waiting still 40 minutes to get your food. It's asinine what people will do to get a fucking fast food burger or chicken sandwich or whatever. And I just want to say out there, we're going to talk May about. I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, Sorry, please. No, yeah, go no, ahead. I want to. I want you to help because I'm worked up about this. If if I can have some, uh, a little bit of of uh, what's the word here? I, forgiveness for my fellow American. That's fine. I'm looking mm. for. That. I'm not coming in here to rail on people. I just want to understand why someone would wait thirty forty an hour for for a fast food. I'll tell you why. Yes. Now, I know the the Chick-fil-A you're talking about because here's here's what usually happens when we record on Wednesdays. Now, we're we're recording from home because uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather. How, Probably how, got the how, monkey. how you doing with that, by the way? Got the monkey pox, I no. think. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, feel, I feel, honestly, I feel fine. I'm just So the monkey pox, so you're really you itchy sick. and you're climbing a lot of trees? Is that how that works? Trees, um, fences, Eating cages. a lot of bananas. I was going to say, you crave bananas. Throwing feces. Um, <laughs> well, that's normal. No, so <laughs> usually... throwing his shit all day. <laughs> usually, we're, we get done recording on Wednesdays about like, you know, 7, 7.30. And oh, typically... I know which one you're talking about, too. Yep. Typically, I'm famished by the time. I'm like starving <laughs> when I leave. And so, the Chick-fil-A right there is right on my way home. It's close to your place. And I hit that all the time. And you're right. The line is super long. Now, that one in particular... It's because they're remodeling the inside. So no one's going into the restaurant. They're all hitting the drive through. Mm -hmm. And I've been there where there have been 20 plus cars and it definitely takes a while. It's never 40 minutes, but a lot of times it's like 25 or 20 minutes. It takes a while. The the reason why is because first of all, Chick-fil-A is delicious. So (laughs) I'd rather, I'd rather wait 25 minutes to go through the Chick-fil-A drive through than to have no wait and go to fucking Burger King, right? Um, so that's and there's not a lot of options as far as fast food right sure, there. Sure. Um, so I'm willing to actually wait in line at that Chick Fil A in particular. And here's the thing: is that in Colorado, In and Out is a relatively new thing here, and there's only a few locations. So yeah, if you go on a Saturday, if you go during a lunch break, it's going to be packed. But otherwise, like I'm not typically the type to wait um, super long. However, there are like certain meals or certain foods or places where I'll go, yeah, I'll wait for a while because it's that much better. Like so it's I the am. quality. It, it, it's the quality of waiting for something yes. because it's always in and out of Chick-fil-A. Now, I have my my things with in and out. I think it's good, not that good. I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fine burger. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, um, I, I guess that you have to do the whole thing of if it is going to take, let's say, 25 minutes and there's another place that you want to go. It's 10 minutes away, right? Now you're doing the whole thing of, okay, we go, we drive 10 minutes to get there after you order. Are we really saving time? But I just look around. And honestly, a lot of this is coming off of the anger because I wanted some Chick-fil-A. And I was really... The anger. Yeah. There, this is a little anger driven. I was craving a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I just pass all these, 
you know, people in line. And it's like, what the hell? You wow, know, Tyler getting, getting real personal body <laughs> shaming. I know. The totally body shaming. Total the body who shaming. beat me into, into no. the line at Chick-fil-A is fast. Yes, exactly. It is total body shame. And look, here's the thing it is, is. I don't want to actually go there because I get it. Everyone's hungry. Everyone. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in some uh, scary territory. Everyone's here. hungry. Everyone needs to eat. But have you ever noticed, like, if you're if you're like in a group or maybe like, uh, 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 you know, it's it's maybe a bunch of people who you know some of them you don't know others. You notice if you're a little past lunch or maybe past breakfast, and maybe it's like a work meeting or like a work event, something like that. It's always a person going, God, when are we gonna have some lunch? You know, I'm getting really hungry. When when is lunch? And they're always <laughs> the one they're always the ones who fit the stereotype of being like, Do you re- are you really that hungry right now? Could you go five could you go a little bit longer? It's like it's always that person who's like, Oh, oh like I'm sweating right now. I need I need some lunch. It's always that person. The so counter yeah, the yeah. counterpoint here, Tyler, is that I've never seen you finish a meal in your life. Like, <laughs> Me like I don't think Me that, neither. Tyler eats like a bird. Good point. And so the idea of like you, uh, it, it really makes does. sense that you wouldn't be able to to empathize with someone who's hungry constantly. Zero. Because I've never seen you eat more than like five bites. He just sits there and pecks at his food. I do. I'm like I'm like a I'm like a uh, I'm like a blue a blue jay. Right. I just kind of so, so, peck a little bit. Yeah. So I want to <laughs> offer up a pro move. Okay. Um. So we'll say, you know, we're coming from the same, you know, uh, area neighborhood. And what you need to do is time it up just right. Door dash that shit. So it's on your front porch when you get home. Okay. Okay. I'm, I would I'm do big that. I'm anti door dash. I am too. Here's why. Here's it's why. It's more expensive. Well, that's, that's, sure. that's the thing. And here's shitty. why. Here's why I'm anti-DoorDash is, well, so many reasons. I've had wrong orders. You call the place. They go, well, it's not our fault. It's a dash. Well, it's a dash or it's not us. It's like, okay, that's first thing. Second of all, um, they they take forever and you can see you can track where they are on the little app right and yeah. you know you know how often it's like an uber someone will get my food and go in the exact opposite direction and it'll say your driver's getting close and it's like 20 minutes later and they're not here so that's the other thing it just pisses me off and then <laughs> above all it is so expensive you could turn a $15 meal from let's just say let's say Chick-fil-A okay Chipotle you, you could turn a $15 meal from Chipotle into a $30 meal with that it's yeah, taxes it's fees sure. it's tips I've done it a couple times and look I'm, yeah, a, see, I, anything, I'm a tipper I understand that they work on tips largely so I'm not going to skip them if I'm paying that yeah. I'm not going to like like do a 10% tip I'm still going to tip well it just pisses me off the whole thing I don't you do want to hear two I have two horror stories both uh, for Uber Eats which I actually think is the worst of all the food delivery apps. we're getting close to Uber Halloween so let's hear some uh oh, it's it's, it's terrible yeah. like it's like once a year i order something through uber eats or whatever and i'm reminded why i never do that shit <laughs> yeah. why i only order delivery from restaurants that offer their own delivery service like a chinese restaurant or a pizza place or jimmy john and so jimmy, jimmy's got those one time it was it was winter it was like cold outside there wasn't snow on the ground but it was very cold and i ordered wings from my, my favorite wing place it was on a college football saturday i think it was last like november um, and the delivery person came on a fucking bike and it even said on the app, it didn't give me the option to select car only, but it just like all of a sudden it showed that the delivery person was on a bicycle Oh no! They and it's cold outside. And well, no, it's just it, all the it food was cold. cold by uh, the time it got here. All my wings were cold. So I was pissed off. And then just, uh, we talked about how I was in Indianapolis, uh, last weekend, or the weekend before that, whenever that was. And, um, when I was there, I ordered uh, Uber Eats again from like the hotel I was at. There was no food nearby I could walk to. 
And I, I, you know, I didn't have a car obviously. And so I was like, whatever, I'm going to order Uber eats. I ordered smash burger, uh, or no, not smash burger. Sorry. Um, shake shack, which Ooh. is delicious. Yeah. I love shake shack. And they, they, I placed the order. And then like two seconds later, it said my order was canceled. So I placed it again. And then 10 minutes later, I go to check in on my order. And guess what? I have two of the exact same orders being delivered. <laughs> oh, no. To me, no. And, and they wouldn't refund me. They, oh, I, I called bummer. support and I was like, you guys told me the first one was canceled. They basically just told me to fuck off. So, so I hate those delivery Damn. apps. I'd rather, that is a perfect example. I would, I would rather wait in the Chick-fil-A line for 45 minutes than deal with the bullshit of Uber Eats or DoorDash. No, or I don't, I don't blame you with the Uber Eats DoorDash thing. And it, that's one of those companies where it seems like a good idea. It seems like it's going to work, but in reality, it fucking sucks. I don't know one the person worst. who's had good experiences, maybe an occasional good experience, right? I'm saying if See, you order I, I haven't had times, a negative experience. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Food unbelievable. showing up on same, time. At the same time, like, like, yes, I am spending more, but, there's also, especially, you know, for me, it's like on a college football Saturday or an NFL Sunday where, you know, I've had a few pops and I'm hungry. A couple of soda pops. A couple of sodas. And now it's like, well, I'm not going to, you know, drink and drive. So might as well just no, DoorDash I, it. I, I get that. And it's just, but it's just, again, like Will said, to me, it's the difference between the people who have their own drivers and then the DoorDash, because yeah. it's like all responsibility is thrown out the window, because sure. whenever anything happens sure. and you talk to DoorDash, they say, well, you know, we're a third party. You can talk to the restaurant. And then the restaurant's always like, you know, like Outback. They're notorious for fucking to-go orders up. I love Outback, but for some reason, they can't get a to-go order right to save their lives. And every <laughs> time you call the restaurant back, they're always like, we don't deliver. We don't have drivers. You can come, you can come pick it up yourself. We'd be glad to make one for you to come pick up. And I'm like, if I wanted to pick it up myself, I wouldn't have paid $7 extra for the delivery and a $4 right. tip on top of that. So it's like, that's what pisses me off is every time there's something wrong, it's like, well, not our fault. Well, not our fault. Oh, well, I guess I'm screwed. Okay. I think, I guess yeah. that's the answer here. So yeah, they give you the runaround and, uh, and while we're on the subject of food, I'll make this quick. Um, Tyler, why don't you let everybody know what your, uh, Halloween costume is this year. Yeah, so uh, my dog, Layla, is going to be a hot dog, and right. I am uh, the mustard, and my fiance, and Allie, is the ketchup. And and so, so you won't take ketchup on a hot dog, but you'll marry it? <laughs> well, or have well, worked it into your costume? I mean, why, 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 why wasn't she relished? Well, but, uh, she actually wasn't relished because we just figured it was more appealing to do the ketchup mustard it, it would make sense to more people and i can actually get past the whole except it's funny you guys had the same reaction that she did she goes are you gonna be want to be around me if i'm wearing a ketchup shirt like can you even be around a ketchup shirt because she knows i'm so repulsed by ketchup but i said yes you know I'll, I'll i'll step up here and i also if you noticed i sent you guys i think the shirts um i went with the because she had them ready on amazon.com we just ordered we're gonna order everything and she said how's this look and I noticed she had pulled up the classic yellow mustard shirt for me. I said, no, 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 no. If I'm going to wear a shirt, I got to do this, the spicy brown or the Dijon. So she got me a, a yeah, so she got me the, the spicy Dijon shirt, which is uh, way more fitting for me. But I said, it's okay. You know, she can be the ketchup. Layla, my dog, can be the, the hot dog. So, yeah, there you go. So you just don't stand up for what you believe in, basically, right? <laughs> He's a flip-flopper. Once you know, again, this is why Tyler has no I like future... To in politics. I like to be inclusive regardless of my own needs. I think it's actually a very uh, a very uh, non-selfish move. Oh, very progressive. Extremely. You know, this is not a selfish <laughs> move at all. If I was more about me, you know, then there you go. But I want everyone very to... Very big of you. Yeah, thank you, Will. I've moved on <laughs> and uh, there you go. So that's my Halloween costume and uh, you guys get your Halloween costumes yet? 
No, I haven't decided what I'm going to be yet. I don't know. It's on a Monday, which is tough. I mean, I know obviously the parties will just be the Friday and Saturday before that, but I don't know if this is going to be a Halloween uh, party type year. So we'll see. But if I do, I'll, I'll throw something together on the fly or I'll order something on you, Amazon. You seem like maybe you just throw some, maybe some khakis, uh, a Michigan hat on and go as Harbaugh or something like that. No, that's not, that is seems that, is a little that lazy. Mm. Um, I, that wouldn't be my style. And like, unless you're in like Ann Arbor, like in Colorado and everyone's going to go, oh, cool. <laughs> like you're Jim Harbaugh who gives a shit. You know what I mean? So, um, probably not the move. I don't know. I, I, I may do something. We'll see. But I honestly, that is a perfect segue because, uh, you know, for the show, we're going to talk about college football. Of course, we have our yes. midseason awards. Yes, uh, we're breaking down week eight games. And uh, when when Smitty brought up the fact that you're dressing up as ketchup, that actually eliminates one of my. I'm not. I'm dressing up as mustard. My my. All right, Allie's dressing up as ketchup. <laughs> right. I was gonna. So midseason Get awards. Right, Will. My, the, the award I was gonna give you was the flip flopper of the year award, <laughs> but uh, since we already covered it, we don't have to address that in the awards. I'm not flip flopping over here. He's a flip-flopper. So, yeah, we're going to do our midseason awards. We're breaking down uh, Week eight's game. I mean, it's already Week 8, so what the fuck, man? I mean, college football goes by so fast. It kills me that we're already there. We're already past the midway point, but we are giving out our awards. But first, before we get to that, let's let's talk about a couple pieces of college football uh, kind of news. Um, the, the first one I, I love was from, you know, Tennessee. Tennessee's asking for donations to pay for the new, for the new goalpost for yeah, the stadium. Yeah, I don't get that. Which... First of all, I'm yeah, shocked. They go that, me. I'm shocked that every stadium doesn't just have backups. Like, why? Yeah. Wh- who are you if you just don't have? Because, like, what if some crazy event happened in the middle of a game and you it, lost like one of the goalposts? They would just cancel the game. Well, like, it actually is, it, it actually happened in the NFL game. I think Jimmy Graham went and like dunked over the goalpost. That's and, right. And and he like bent Made it. it crooked. Yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't straight. And I think they just like. Pulled on the other side. <laughs> but like what happened if like what happens if like lightning strikes the, a goalpost and it just fries one of them. Right. And, and yeah. one of the uprights falls over. They just don't. Play. <laughs> I, I'm shocked that that every stadium doesn't have backups on hand. That's insane. It seems like they would. It seems silly. But I mean, I guess they're expensive. Do you see how much that GoFundMe was? It's hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. which, yeah. by the way, wow. also, um, I'm not if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm not donating shit. How much money did Tennessee just make off of that game alone in ticket sales and concession? They could buy 40 goalposts. Yeah. It doesn't like I, I, I love that Tennessee fans are like, hell yes, I'll, I'll donate. And maybe if you're one of the guys that carried it out and threw the goalposts <laughs> into the water, then you can donate. But like, <laughs> other, like, I don't feel bad for Tennessee. Like it's a, they probably make more money than half the fucking NHL teams do. And, and, and so the idea that they have to go out and ask for donations, I thought was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's hilarious. it's hysterical. Um, and then uh, Jermaine Burton, same game. Jermaine Burton, the Alabama wide receiver. Oh, yeah. uh, some videos went viral yesterday of him hitting a Tennessee fan. This girl who's running out on the field who was seemingly minding her own business. And there's two different angles. Someone from the stands caught it, and then she was actually filming herself running out on the field when it went down and like, she didn't go up and get in his face and like, you know, and, and yell like roll tide or go Vols or any shit like that. And he like swung and smacked her in the face and Alabama says they're investigating. Like he's going to be suspended for sure. I get, you know, whatever the sec came out and was like, this is why we have rules for why you can't storm the field. I'm sorry, but if you're a pissed off player, you can yell, you can do whatever you want, like talk shit to people. Fine. 
don't go swinging on random fans, especially some girl who's literally not doing anything. She's just running by you, and he just smacked her in the face. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, I think so too. I agree with you. That was uh, not a good look. And sometimes you'll hear about things like this where it's like, yeah, it was a hectic environment. They were getting crowded, bombarded by students. That wasn't it. He was just mad. Someone came across him, and not not a great look. You got to be able to deal with that yeah. stuff. You play for Alabama. Well, but. I, I think it's a mixture of the two. He's pissed, and then he's got all these screaming Tennessee fans running in front of him. And like, yeah. yes, obviously, but you have to be able to control your emotions. But and I, I'm not in this camp, but it's an argument for why storming the field shouldn't be allowed. Well, how about this? If it's some frat douche that comes up and gets in your face, like swing on him. I'm all, at that point, I'm all right, for it. Yeah. If it's someone that is like getting in your face or puts their hands on you, then. Actually, I'd be all I'd be on Jermaine Burton's side, but the fact that it's literally some some chick who, it, it, like, he's wandering and there's a ton of space. She didn't even bump into him. She just is like coming across his path, kind of doesn't even get in his way. He doesn't have to stop or move or anything, and he just swung and hit her, and it's and she got it on camera, and it's like, come on, dude, like that's actually just a a, a super low life move at that yeah. point. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you're just being a, a poor loser and a fucking shithead, honestly. And we'll see what the suspension looks like, but that's going to have an effect for Alabama because he's probably their best receiver. And that's a position that for once they're not like insanely deep at this year. Yeah, it's going to be bad for them. And uh, I mean, I think they'll find ways to make it work, but definitely not going to help them. Just had a bad loss and yeah, not, not a great story. Yeah. Just don't do that. Just don't be dumb. I mean, you have to know at that point you're on, you're on camera and doesn't help that she's actually the one that, (laughs) That has the camera at the same time. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to our midseason college football tailgate awards. Now, some of these are basic awards, right? I've got the midseason Heisman, midseason uh, coach of the year. And then I made some up. Obviously, I talked about Tyler winning the flip flopper of the year award, but now <laughs> we're laying that to rest. We're not even going to address it. Wow. I won't even say Just it. Just unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I have, I think, eight here, Tyler. How many do you have? Uh, two, three, four, uh, six. six. And by the way, okay. none of mine are conventional. <laughs> oh, I know how you had Yeah, I know. I have like, <laughs> I have like, like two conventional ones, and okay. the rest are are unconventional, which is even better. So oh, awesome. I'll just start with mine. Cool. So my my midseason Heisman, it's going to Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. Um, he may not have the 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 best stats of all the quarterbacks that are kind of or the players that are all in the mix, but in my opinion. Tennessee's played, you know, a tougher schedule. They have more premier wins and Hendon Hooker has shown up and he's, you know, for sure the, the engine to what is, you know, probably, you know, one of the best offenses in the country. Uh, he shows up consistently in all these big games and maybe hasn't even scratched the surface yet of, of his true potential there, Tennessee. So Hendon Hooker is my midseason Heisman award winner. I like um, that. That's a good one. Midseason coach of the year award. Is Lance Leipold at Kansas? He brought Kansas. Leipold Stotch. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. Butters. Lance Butters. <laughs> Leipold. He uh, he brought Kansas out of um, being like maybe the worst program in college football, all the way to being ranked. They were on game day. Yeah, they just lost. Maybe the ranking won't stay by the end of the, end of the season. Who knows? But it's not a complete fluke because Kansas is just a good team, and uh, and they're going to be in games moving forward, and and we'll see you know where they end up at the at the end of the year. But right now, he would be my uh, Coach of the Year Award. Um, okay, okay. Comeback Player of the Year Award is Urban Meyer. He's back on uh, <laughs> back on on Fox uh, noon kickoff or whatever big noon, which I hate. He has no business being on that show anymore. 
And the best part is that they've been at a Michigan game for like four straight weeks. And so he's had to be there like in Ann Arbor getting yelled at by Michigan fans. He looks stupid being the only one with sunglasses on, on the panel. Um, but you know, he, he's making a comeback and he might make a comeback to coaching next year too. So he looks like one of the my, three blind mice with those, uh, yeah, with, no with one the, else wears sunglasses. Like, I know, and he's got the like camera. little, and they're like the little beady circles around his eyes, kind of like the matrix sunglasses. <laughs> he looks goofy. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> so, Will, I almost asked you, I was like, did Michigan like strike a deal with Fox to just be the big noon kickoff every freaking week? <laughs> well, the, and, the, and, the, and then big next week has a deal with them. And so, well, I yeah, think they're but that's what I'm up. saying. But like, like it wasn't until last week I was like, oh, Michigan's not the big. Okay, maybe they didn't, but they've been in there so much, so many times, is which is, and no not even all those off. games have been that big. Oh, is it big noon? Is it um, noon? <laughs> my uh, dumpster fire of the year award goes to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Really? They off there were a, a lot of five team. There were a lot of candidates about the your dumpster fire award. Um, why not uh, Wisconsin or Nebraska? Well, look, I don't even think that they're worse than those teams, but to me, it's like you start the year as a top five team. There's all this hype about Marcus Freeman, the number one recruiting class, all that shit. And now it's gotten to the point where like no one is even talking about Notre Dame anymore. They've kind of turned things around a little bit, but they lose to Stanford last uh, last week, which was really you know not a good look. Um, and Notre Dame is just like an afterthought now. No one is even like talking about them. They're not interesting. Um, they're probably not going to be ranked by the end of the year. They have more tough games coming their way. And so to me, it's it's about Notre Dame just kind of being irrelevant at this point, which I don't think anyone would have expected, you know, a year ago. I would also put A&M as an honorable mention for that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one for sure. Yeah, just compared They're, to preseason expectations. Very true. Um, the My midseason game of the year was Tennessee, Alabama. We don't have to go too much into that. Your, M- your MS Joy. MS, MS Goy. My what? MS Goy. Oh, <laughs> MS Goy, midseason game of the year. I think um, you need to go to the doctor for that. That's for sure. <laughs> my, <laughs> my take of the year, my college football take of the year. Now, look, there's a lot of uh, terrible takes out there. I actually posted this one on Twitter earlier as a response to RJ Young, who is just like uh, the worst hot take artist in college football. Um, he left Michigan out of the top 25 in preseason and said that he genuinely believed that Houston was a better team than Michigan. <laughs> and now of course, uh, he's like in their top and he's in his top five. And, uh, this dude is just a clown and nothing he says, you know, I mean, you could literally take anything this guy says any weekend and make it the worst take of the year. Um, and then finally the midseason bet board winner is yours. Truly will chambers <laughs> with a, with a three game lead on Tyler. Really shoehorning that. Uh, yeah, no kid. It, hey, I I'll, guess he's got to celebrate mid season. <laughs> yeah. We're not there yet, but if we're giving out midseason awards, then I'm going to take the victory. You okay? know how many games? <laughs> I think the last couple of years, it's been like 30, 35 games last week. Last year we had over 40. Like we're, we're, we're 14 games in this year. Will you eight, five um, and one. Yeah. Well, I mean, blame the and, schedule makers then Tyler, not will. <laughs> Oh, uh, blame how many bed boards. So you just your argument is uh, is sample size. Well, my argument is we've got I like two, say, I would say even though we've got half the regular season left, we still have about two thirds of our picks left to put out there. So there's a lot that can happen here. 
Yeah, but I'll, you know, look, as of midseason standings, <laughs> I won the bet board. So I'm going to take I'm going to uh-huh. take the victory lap, okay? He's, and he's not going to let it go. Yeah, it's just well, the midseason tower, you know, will, that, you know, that's all. Okay. I'm just I'm just going to lay it on thick when I take that lead <laughs> coming around the turn. <laughs> uh, all right, your midseason awards, Tyler. All right, uh we got the Rob Riggle Award. Who looks the Ooh. most like Rob Riggle as a college football coach? I'll give you guys a few seconds. <laughs> Brett Bielema gets the Rob yes. Riggle Award. Yes. Well, this if, is, uh, if Rob Riggle gained like 200 pounds. <laughs> uh, don't worry. We've got the uh, the weight size awards coming up here in a sec. Uh, the Okay. So you guys know who Jeff Dunham is? Black Brown. You guys know who Jeff Dunham is? Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jeff Dunham is a comedian and he does like the... the Arguable. Uh, He's a ventriloquist. Uh, a ventriloquist. Yeah, Will's right. I'm not a huge like fan of those uh, comedians. I think it's kind of like low-hanging fruit. Like you, you listen to my stuff that's not even polished on this show. That's 10 times better than that <laughs> hack it's Jeff Dunham. It's kind of hacky, yeah. yeah. So uh, Jeff Dunham has a, has a little uh, uh, puppet named Walter. So you can go look it up if you don't if you're not familiar with this. Just type into Google Jeff Dunham Walter. I can let you guys do that if you need a second. Uh, it looks so, like an old man. Yeah. So right? my Jeff Dunham Walter. Yeah, it's just a award. curmudgeon. Exactly, real curmudgeon. Uh, my Jeff Dunham Walter Award this year goes to Paul Feinbaum. Right, Paul uh, Feinbaum that's looks. A good ju- one. Yeah, it looks just like the Walter from Jeff wow. Dunham. So uh, those are my two lookalike <laughs> awards. And uh, let's get on to the also a puppet. Yes, yes, also He's a puppet. He's an SEC puppet. Absolutely. All right. Now these next four come straight from The Office. You guys know how I like to recycle the Dundies. Okay, so these next of four course. awards are Recycled Dundee Awards. All right, so let's first go with the Doobie Doobie Pothead Stoner of the Year Award. Uh, the Doobie Doobie Pothead Stoner of the Year Award goes to the NCAA because as not a lot of people know, we didn't talk about this in this show, uh, the NCAA raised the threshold for an acceptable amount of THC in the system this year. So you can smoke more, <laughs> And you can have more THC in your system if you're a player. So the, the Doobie Doobie Pothead Stoner of the Year Award goes to the NCAA. All right, wow. next, the Tight Ass Award. Right Now, uh, Angela won this in the office, right? The Tight Ass of Award. All right, so who, who wins it this year in college football? Of course, it's the LSU reporter who called Brian Kelly out after only one loss. He said, ah. yeah, we got to show up on time. We got to put 10 bucks in the thing. And she, and she came back and said, well, maybe if you win some games. He's five and two. They're winning games. They're favorites this week at home against Ole Miss. So I think the tight ass award has to go to that LSU report of this year. Interesting. Uh, next, the diabetes award. Stanley, of course, <laughs> won this in the office. Uh, the diabetes award goes to Mac Brown, UNC. I don't know what there's. <laughs> what, what is uh, what is uh, Dan Patrick's character saying? The water boy. I don't know what's what they're putting down there in the water, but it seems to be working and wherever. Same thing. I don't know what they're putting in the food and. Uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, <laughs> but uh, Mac Brown gets the Diabetes Award this year, and then uh, and then finally the Don't Go In There After Me Award, which of course Kevin won that on that on the office. Uh, Mac Brown, two time winner this year, yeah, two time winner Mac Brown. Hey, all right. Don't Go In There After Me Award, of course I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't want to follow Mac Brown there, you know. Mac Brown, there's a couple things you don't want to follow Mac Brown in rivalry games. And I'd say in, in the bathroom, you don't want to be the person after Mac Brown in there. So I don't know what Mac Brown did to you, Tyler. I was just about <laughs> to say, weren't, weren't, weren't you just talking about comedians and low hanging fruit? He's fat. He takes stinky shits. That's pretty on the nose. Yeah. So there you go. Those are my awards. Yes. Those are my 2022 midseason awards. 
Smitty, did, did you come uh, come with any awards? You know, I, I had a pretty busy day today at work, but I was able. I will give you. I think my midseason Heisman. I'll agree with you it, that it's Hidden Hooker, but I think just with how their schedules uh, lay out, I think C.J. Stroud's going to get it. Mm, that's um, probably true. But I do think that Hype will win Coach of the Year. Yeah, he probably should by end of the year, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I didn't even think about Butters, but I mean, he's going to have a strong case. It, uh, it also just depends on how Kansas finishes. And we actually well, didn't go over this, the the Tarmac Award. Lane Kiffin, for the last couple of years, held the award uh, of being fired on the tarmac after the game. Even yep. though it wasn't on the tarmac, um, Herm Edwards fired in the end Herm. zone this year. So he wins the proverbial tarmac award, and he's yeah. going to hold that until the next coach gets fired right after the fired game. Fired so. before he even got to the locker room after <laughs> exactly. the game. Brutal. Yes. Yeah, that's 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 tough. Yeah, it is. That, that's a rough one. Um, now, before we break down week eight games, uh, Tyler, why don't you talk a little bit about BetUS uh, show sponsor, Big fans of BetUS here at College Football Tailgate. BetUS, one more place to shop around. And by shop around, I mean check out different websites. The games we talk about today may be priced differently in different sports books. So if we give out a game that's uh, we like the favorite minus three, there's a good chance if you look at all across the internet, you're going to find that same team for minus two and a half. And if you want to see how impactful that is at the end of the year, go add a half a game or a half a point to every game you had. You're going to be amazed at how much better your record is. Aside from that, though, BetUS has a casino, so you can do, you know, you can play roulette, blackjack, different things like that. And my favorite part that I that I tell everyone about is the entertainment betting. You go to the entertainment section of BetUS, and they have bets you legit can't make anywhere else. I mean, I'm talking in Vegas, on DraftKings, anywhere else. You can't make these bets. Now, this one I'm going to bring up today is really interesting. Have any of you guys watched Ted Lasso? Um, uh, just the first few episodes. I, I need I need to get back into it. I loved it, though. I just didn't, yeah. didn't keep going with it. Yeah, so Ted Lasso is one of the more popular uh, shows that came out last year, or actually a uh, couple years ago. It's on Apple+. Plus, and it's uh, Jason Sudeikis, plays a, a, an American football coach who goes over to England and coaches the Premier League. Well, a bet that I like here is the character to say the first word slash line of season three. Okay, so the first actor to say the, the, the first line of season three, um, the, the favorite is Ted Lasso plus 150. I don't like that. The second favorite, Roy Kent. Roy Kent, Roy Kent, is the second favorite. I don't He's like, like that He's like the either. assistant coach, right? Uh, yeah, Roy, Roy Kent. Well, he was a, a, a player for a while. And then no, he's not the assistant coach. That's uh, that's Coach Beard. Uh, Roy I Kent see. was okay. uh, was the star player for a while, and then now he's, he's old, like the veteran, exactly the vet behind the scenes. My mm-hmm. money is on the third favorite, Coach Nathan Shelley. He was the assistant coach, he, uh, and Will. I don't want to mess up a lot for you, but uh, don't spoil. Now I'm not going to spoil it here, but some stuff happens at the end of the season, and I think that Coach Nathan Shelley will be the first line of the of the the season three. Plus five fifty. Plus five fifty. You put ten dollars down. You win fifty five bucks. Thank me later. You can only make that on BetUS.com. Remember, when you're signing up, use promo code Tailgate. That goes a long way helping us out and uh, gives us some credit for sending you over there. So BetUS.com promo code Tailgate. Coach Nathan Shelley plus five fifty. First line in season three of Ted Lasso. Yeah, do it. Go to promo. Uh, go to BetUS.com and use promo code Tailgate, or else all of your bets are going to be losers for, for the rest of the season. Yes, That's just a fact. Yes. There you go. Um, speaking of bets, uh, we have, 
I think another six games to break down here for week eight, Tyler. We got games. And, we got uh, lots of games. Interested to know uh, how many bets you're giving out. Oh, uh, well. So we'll, William. we'll start with the uh, the biggest one in the ACC right now. Syracuse going on the road at Clemson. Syracuse undefeated 6-0, and playing an undefeated Clemson team. And right now, Clemson is a 13.5-point home favorite. Where is Syracuse ranked in the top 25? Can you look that up? They're, I think they're fifth, like, number five. Oh, no, no, Syracuse 14. No, no, no. 14. Okay. So they're not top 10. No, and that's, um, a, that's the stupid, worthless AP top 25 that we're talking about. Even still, I mean, super impressive year so far for Syracuse and for Dino Babers. Um, they're, the quarterback, uh, new quarterback there, Garrett Schrader, has been really good. He's been super accurate. I really like their run defense. Um, you look at their schedule, they have some good wins so far. I mean, they've beaten Louisville, Purdue, and NC State. All really good wins for Syracuse, but they've all been at home. And now you look, their schedule is about to get a lot tougher for Syracuse, and it starts with a road game at Clemson. And Clemson, a little more battle test that I think with with having to win games on the road and at home so far. Um, and I always like to look at when it comes to these matchups, you know, recent history, right? In the last six times these teams, these two teams have played, you've had basically three blowouts and three really close games. Um, and I, I think that ultimately – you know, the, the difference between when you look at what a close game is, you know, uh, in, in this matchup and what a blowout is, typically it's, you know, a, a Clemson team that was like a preseason championship favorites and, and kind of more one of those more dominant Clemson teams. And I just don't see this Clemson team. Look, I think they're probably going to win the ACC. I think they're probably going to go to the playoff. Um, but to me, they're not on the level of like what we've seen some of these past Clemson teams. Um, and I don't know that, that they are going to just be able to, to go out and just dominate and, and completely bully the Syracuse team. So for me, Tyler, 13 and a half is too many points. I'm taking the orange. Hmm. I wonder about the weather. Uh, let's see. Clemson. We're, we're expecting around. some some heavy wet, uh, some heavy wind in certain areas of the country. That's why I looked that up. Uh, Interesting. It, it doesn't seem to be the case here because I think that would actually favor Syracuse. Uh, this is an interesting game. So I've actually upgraded Clemson. Pretty, or excuse me, I've upgraded uh, Syracuse pretty substantially this year. You know, their preseason win total was five. And I think that mm. that's one thing that a lot of people forget. We get halfway through the season. A lot of these teams look look very good. UCLA, uh, Syracuse, obviously in that category, where their preseason win total didn't match nearly how good they look right now. And when Syracuse uh, won their sixth game last week and exceeded their expectations, Dino Babers came out and was really praising the idea of them making a bowl game, them finally beating their goal, setting, uh, meeting their expectations. We made a bowl game, and I don't like hearing that from a coach halfway through the season. Finally seems like he's settled. What we want, what we always talk about on the show is getting teams in good, good situations where they're fired mm. up. And Syracuse does not seem very fired up right now. They seem like they deserve to be here, and I don't see a whole lot, at least on the outside looking in, of a team who feels like they're behind the eight ball, who has something to prove. If anything, the team who has something to prove this game is Clemson. Now, just power ratings-wise, I mentioned I upgraded Syracuse, and I've downgraded Clemson this year. I still have Clemson about 10 points better than, than uh, Syracuse. And here's the thing with home field advantage this game. We've talked about home field before. It's not just about that home field. It's it's how much better does that team play at home compared to the road, and how much better or worse does the road team play when they go on the road. Clemson is one of the best home teams in college football, and on the other side of that, they're one of the more average road teams in college football. Will mentioned it earlier. Clemson or uh, Syracuse, excuse me, has had one true road game this year at UConn. And besides that, they've had a very, very favorable schedule, not just with the home games, but with their opponents. I mean, if you look at their first half schedule, 
compared to the second half schedule, it's not even close. Uh, Syracuse opened up the year, obviously. Louisville, which looks like not a great win right now. UConn, Purdue, they won that by three points, and they were outgained by 200 yards that game. Virginia, Wagner, NC State. So I look at the last half of the schedule. Clemson, Notre Dame, at Pitt, Florida State, at Wake Forest. This could be a team who ends up with seven, maybe eight wins. Now, if you look at the FEI from Football Outsiders, they're putting it over an 80% chance they end up with nine wins this season. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll get that bad. But this team is not, I think, the same team that we've built them up to be through the first, what, six weeks of the season, seven weeks of the season with their bye week. So I think we've got a completely different situation going into this game. Clemson, much harder schedule, and they haven't lived up to the hype yet. In Syracuse, easy schedule, and everyone's on Syracuse. I think they're a public team at this point. Um, Having said that... interesting. Syracuse's offensive line is doing well this year. Now, for unadjusted stats, keep in mind unadjusted, they are top twenty, uh, uh, top twenty offensive line in the in the country. They are gaining yards, but Clemson's getting healthy. I mean, that was the big deal with Clemson through the year. We started the season. No one talks about injuries. It seems like in college football to start the year, it's always well, this Clemson defense, well, this Clemson defense. If you really examine it, Clemson had four starters out to start the year. They're finally back, getting healthy. And I know they gave up some yards last week on defense, but after hearing their coaches talk, whether it's uh, I forget the defensive line coach, the defensive coordinator, a Dabo came out completely lambasting the team. I mean, if you hear Dino Babers and Dabo Sweeney talk about their teams this week, polar opposites. That's what I love to have when I'm betting inevitably on a Clemson team at home giving up 13 and a half points. So I think that Clemson's health is a big deal here. I believe Dino Babers is going to get outclassed and outcoached. And I believe Syracuse is one of the best stories this year in college football, but I think it comes to a crashing halt this weekend. Will, we've got a bet board game. I'm taking Clemson minus the 13 and a half at home. And I think they turn the switch this week and really show everyone that they belong in that category of best teams in the country. You're uh, you're on the the sound. You're you're on the buttons. Where's the bet board sound? Or can I just not hear it in my headphones? No, I actually I don't have that pulled up right now because uh, wow. I'm, I'm using the same device that we have the bet the sounds on for the uh, uh, Zoom meeting. So Let I me just to apologize to all of our all of our loyal yeah. listeners um, for for Tyler, you know, not being prepped for the show. Let's just let's just call it what it is, okay? <laughs> Uh, for the man who loves the buttons and the sounds, got, wasn't I ready. I love the buttons. I love the sounds. But we've got a bet board game. <laughs> love <Ching>. it. <laughs> there we go, Smitty. Smitty on the one. Who's the real is. producer? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we move on to uh, another big one for the Pac-12. But the Pac-12's last hope to make the playoffs is UCLA going undefeated, and they have a tough matchup here going on the road at Oregon. Currently, the Ducks are six-point home favorites over the undefeated UCLA Bruins. Uh, now, Oregon, of course, week one, they get destroyed by Georgia and everyone just writes them off, forgets about them entirely. They've quietly been been putting together a good season since then. They're five and one. And of course, hosting an undefeated UCLA team coached by none other than former Duck legend Chip Kelly. So this is a big one. This is a an emotional game, um, certainly for Chip Kelly. And you look at the recent history in this matchup, um, you know, the the last three times these teams have played. Uh, you know, Oregon's on a three-game win streak, but the last two specifically in 2021 and in 2020, you know, since since Chip Kelly's been the head coach there, these have been really close games. Oregon has won both, but by a total of seven points, and so or excuse me, six points. So this is a close game, and I know that that Chip Kelly has to be motivated here because a he hasn't beaten his former team, and they've been really close wins. 
and now I think there's a little bit of blood in the water because you look at Oregon, you know, obviously they're five and one that uh, they, they got destroyed by Georgia, like I mentioned, but since then they've been winning games. However, it's been all offense. And for, uh, you know, Dan Lanning being, you know, this defensive minded coach that comes in from the sec, their defense really hasn't been good. They're giving up almost 30 points per game that ranks for, for 82nd out of, out of 131 teams in the country. And that's trouble when you talk about facing a UCLA team. Now, the difference is they've been really good against the run and not so good against the pass. But with the improvements that we've seen from Dorian Thompson Robinson so far in this in the passing game and the more balanced uh, offense that we've seen from UCLA so far, Tyler, I'm interested to know where you come out on this because I do think that Oregon has a legit home field advantage, but I'm very tempted to go with, with UCLA and the points here. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's interesting. We disagree on Oregon's defense, and I don't know whether it's because we're looking at different stats. I don't look at a lot of the actual counting stats or the yards per game, things like that. You know I like to look at Football Outsiders, PFF, some of the advanced stats, and what I see is an Oregon defensive line that's top five in a lot of categories. I mean, I look at average line downs per game. They're a top 20 team. They're efficient, and here's the thing with Oregon, too. They play with five defensive backs more than any other team in the Pac-12, yet they're number one efficiently against stopping the run. So I actually think that what we see with Oregon's defense matches up well with what UCLA likes to do. Now, I know Oregon has given up some chunk plays, but overall, in running situations, they're very efficient. By the way, UCLA, their defense, okay, so let's kind of switch here uh, when, when Oregon has the ball and UCLA is on defense. Oregon moves the football at a great rate on third down. They set themselves up with third down conversions. They're 12th in the country at converting on third downs. UCLA, 111th in red zone touchdown rate and 104th in third down defense. So both these defense, or, or UCLA's defense against Oregon's offense, not a great matchup. Oregon's defense ru- stopping the run, or at least being efficient on the, D- the D-line stopping the run against UCLA's rush attack with Zach Charbonnet, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA's offensive line, which, which has looked good, I don't think it's a great matchup here for Oregon. I know you got Chip Kelly. I actually have, uh, or uh, I've got UCLA. You don't think it's a good matchup for UCLA. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a great matchup for UCLA. And and, um, I've got Oregon, uh, let's see here, three points better than UCLA. So this isn't a huge power ratings matchup. I've got this right around six for my power ratings, but that's just a pure numbers point of view. I think what's happening here is everyone still remembers that Georgia game, which I personally... I throw that away. I legitimately crumple that up and throw it in the trash. I believe that's an outlier. Yeah. Georgia played so exceptionally well that game, even better than they've played this season, and Oregon played way below their level where they've been this season. And Will, you mentioned Dan Lanning, defensive coach, and they really haven't stood out defensively this year. If they can go one way or the other drastically, it will be an improvement on defense, and they're reigning Bo Nix in. Remember, a lot of these coaches at Oregon were on Auburn's staff when they recruited Bo Nix. This is the exact guy they went after years ago, and they know how to use him. What happened, I think, is a lot of those coaches didn't know how to use Bo Nix, and they hired offensive head coach after offensive head coach. They got too, they muddied things up. Now you have a staff that really knows Bo Nix, gets to, gets to put him in good positions. That's, there's not a reason. And look, Bo Nix is going to be Bo Nix. He's going to have bad plays. He's going to have inconsistent up. Right. We know that about Bo Nix, but... You look at him this year and his efficiency compared to his his time at Auburn, it's off the charts. Yes, he's playing Pac-12 defenses, but guess what? This UCLA team's a Pac-12 defense, so it's not like right. all this stuff we saw against Georgia is legitimate. I again, I think that's 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 crazy to think that this is an elite Pac-12 game. So we we incorporate the Pac-12 stats in there. Autzen Zoo will be going crazy for the return of Chip Kelly, and I see it on the other side. 
when you have not a lot of players from each team, right, UCLA or Oregon, who were there when Chip Kelly was there, it's hard to transfer that hate onto the team. And I see this all the time in all these different sports. Unless Chip Kelly's going to make it a point, hey, guys, I used to coach here. Let's go fuck them up. Chip Kelly doesn't seem like the kind of coach that would do that, much less. I don't know if it would work. I don't even know how pumped up some 18-year-old is going to be like, yeah, he used to coach there a long time ago. I think mm-hmm. the people who will be the most excited and the most pumped up here, if we're going to quantify one or the other, which is going to be bigger, it's going to be the crowd at Autzen Zoo. Maybe not the student section, even though they're going to be allowed either way, but all those fans who remember the Chip Kelly era, right? Same thing like, I, I think of this as a Colorado fan. I go all the time, and when there's revenge factors against old head coaches, let's say Mel Tucker came to town. Yeah, the student right. section would be loud because they, you know, fuck Mel Tuck, but it would be a lot of the other stadium making the noise too because they remember those things. So I think, all, all, you know, all things equal, it's going to be loud and they're going to have kind of that revenge factor for, for Chip Kelly. Oregon, we talked about them offensively. They've allowed one sack this year. They're the best team in college football at allowing sacks. So I know UCLA wants to make things difficult for Oregon, but on the road, they're by far their most difficult uh, game of the year. And probably their first action. If you want to say altitude in Boulder is tough, fine. I'll give you that. But it wasn't a real road game. This is their first real road challenge of the year. And it's funny because if you look at me and Will and our bet board games, going into this season, I it's like 70% of the time I would take the underdog. But recently I've been taking some of these favorites and I think that's another example. Well, I'm not sure if you're on UCLA this game, but I'm taking Oregon minus six at home. I think it's a great spot for them. And... Uh, I think that even though UCLA's look good with that rushing attack, again, I'm a fan of, of, of Dory Thompson-Robinson in his 47th year at UCLA. I'm a fan of Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> I like their offensive line. I just don't think it's a good matchup for UCLA. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned about Oregon's defensive line, and that's definitely why you know you look at their defensive numbers. They're, they're giving up definitely a lot of points, but their rush defense has been fantastic, and that's why. But their pass defense really hasn't been. They're, they're giving up almost 70% completion to opposing quarterbacks and a lot of yards. And, you know, to me, uh, this this matchup is about I think that this UCLA team is probably the best that Chip Kelly has had there so far. And he's had Without some decent doubt. offenses. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and, and to me, they're just balanced. And, and there is something different about Dorian Thompson Robinson this year where he seems just much more in command. It's not as like uh, as much of him just scrambling around. He's still super deadly with his legs. But again, you're right. This is definitely their biggest test. And even though I do, I definitely think UCLA is the betting favorite here. Like, I don't love being with the public. To me, it's more about, I think that they're, you know, even teams or or maybe that UCLA is better. And if I'm going to get six points, then I'm going to take it. So, yes, we will make this another bet board. I'm on UCLA uh, plus six here. And Tyler's going to take the Ducks minus six. All righty then. Smitty. Cha-ching! <laughs> uh, okay, love it. Uh, we move on to the Big 12. So there's, there's two really big Big 12 games that are going to have a huge effect um, you know, in, in the outcome of who wins the Big 12 this week. And this is one of them. We've got Texas at Oklahoma State. Now, obviously, Oklahoma State coming off their first loss at TCU last week. Definitely a, a bet board, or excuse me, a, a, a bounce back opportunity for Oklahoma State here, who, by the way, has, you know, in recent history, they've fared very well against Texas. They won last year in Austin. Um, there were two years in a row where Texas won before that, but then it was four straight wins for for Oklahoma State. And overall, they've been extremely successful. It's, you know, basically since 2010, you've seen a lot of, of wins go uh, towards the way of, of Mike Gundy, who's been, you know, frankly, really good against Texas. Now, 
What concerns me about this is, like as I mentioned, I think you're going to see an Oklahoma State team that's extremely focused because of that loss, you know, giving up a, a big early lead to TCU last week, and now they they host a Texas team, which is always going to be, you know, a, a betting favorite in this spot. But on the other side, this is kind of a bounce back, you know, game for Texas as well. Even though they didn't lose last week, um, you know, they they almost lost. Uh, they needed every minute there and some luck to 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 beat Iowa State last week. And it was the first, you know, first time where Quinn Ewers didn't look like, you know, a five-star incredible guy and the offense wasn't, you know, completely gangbusters, which is what we've kind of grown to expect with a Sark, you know, offense, a, a Steve Sarkeesian offense at Texas. Now, that being said, I think that Oklahoma State um, is really good, but you look at their defensive stats this year, uh, just basically um, um, throughout the year, their defense really, they're, again, they're giving up almost 30 points per game. I don't like those those rankings. Smitty's taking his shirt off. Oh my gosh! Heads up, Smitty. <laughs> Smitty, we're, we're on the Zoom. I just got, Smitty just destroyed my rhythm there because he took his shirt off, and I don't know what happened if he spilled his drink. I'm sure he'll check in momentarily. But my gosh, um, it's a good thing this is a podcast, it's not hilarious. a video show. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State. Their their defensive passing numbers this year are concerning. They're giving up 300 yards per game. Um, to everyone they've played so far, and you look at their their total offense given up, you know it's basically all through the air. And against a a Texas offense with you know th- that wants to take deep shots, we know about the talent they have at quarterback and at wide receiver. You know, combined with the balance of obviously having still that run game with Bijan Robinson, um, it, it has me leaning Texas here. But Tyler, I want to kind of hear how your breakdown is for this first, maybe before I, I make an official pick. Uh, so for me, this all comes down to the health of Spencer Sanders. Um, he got banged up last week. His shoulders hurt. And I don't know if he's going to play this week. All indications are he's not. I mean, the line is the line opened up Texas minus one and it's currently Texas minus six and a half. That's a very, very, very telling move. Uh, also the over unders move. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, this is a pass for me because there's not enough information on a Wednesday when we record to bet this yet because it does mm-hmm. come down to Spencer Sanders. And even if he is healthy, I got question marks about this team in, in, in general. I think they were overinflated, overrated going into last week's game. And, you know, you mentioned that defense. They're giving up almost 150 yards more per game than they were last year at this point. So they, they're just not that same defense that maybe we've come to expect the last couple of years from Oklahoma State, certainly not that much longer. Um, I mentioned the the over-under. It's dropped from 66 to 61, and that's because heavy, heavy wind. This is one of those games I mentioned where there's 15, 20-mile-an-hour wind in the forecast. And so the scoring is going to come down. Um, you know, I'm really not sure which team that will favor, but, uh, again, too many unknowns in this game. Texas is playing very well. Will, you mentioned them struggling last week against Iowa State. That's a wake-up call. You know, if you're a good team, you almost lose. Yeah. Sometimes it's a good thing to happen, and Oklahoma State clearly not in a great spot, but that's why they're almost giving up seven points at home, you know? So I think this line's accounted for everything we know so far. It's a pass for me. So regardless of your spot, no bet board here, but everything does come down to the health of the quarterback for Oklahoma State, uh, Spencer Sanders. Smitty, are you back? Did we do we have a uh, you know, reasoning why the shirt came off? <laughs> oh, uh <laughs> Well, I was telling Tyler during the break that uh, I was really my house is really hot, so I started to sweat. So I took my shirt off, and I turned off, and I uh, turned the air conditioning on, and now I'm kind of cold. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm confused because was the shirt off the whole time, and you just dropped the camera a little bit? Uh, yeah, the shirt's been off since about ten minutes in. 
Oh wow! Um, and okay. I, 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 I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm a hairy man, so it looks like I got a sweater on still. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's like a brown cardigan. <laughs> well, and what's funny is the the cords to my to my headphones actually make like a V neck, so that kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes a collar, and then yeah, everything else is just okay, I guess. Right. Uh, well, well, I mean, e- either way, he's getting a little cold, so maybe he's going to put a blankie on. We'll see what happens. Yep. Um, we move on. So, but by the way, I, I am willing to take Texas minus six and a half. You're right, I, and I forgot to mention is is the assumption is that is that Sanders isn't playing. Um, but the smart move is probably to wait and see a little bit, right? Because since the line has already moved this much, so we're probably not expecting the line to continue to swing in Texas's favor with an official announcement. It more seems like this line being where it is, is reflecting, you know, basically that people think he's not going to play already. Is 100%. That- and that's already incorporated in there. I would wait then. Yeah, to get the information before you make your bet. So. Okay, interesting. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take Texas minus six and a half then, assuming he's not playing. Um, okay. uh, we move on to the SEC Ole Miss going on the road at LSU. LSU, a, a two-point home favorite here against an, an undefeated Ole Miss team, which, by the way, is now in the top ten. I think they're ranked, what, number eight? Is that uh, right? Seven or eight, yeah. Seven or eight, yeah. And, and and this has been kind of an Ole Miss team that's been flying under the radar a little bit. And you look at their stats, they've been really good defensively. You know, obviously with the Lane Kiffin team, we expect them to to have a good offense, but it's maybe not – the traditional Ole Miss team where they're just throwing it, you know, 50 times a game. They've actually had a really solid, you know, run, uh, run game as well on offense. And they go into Tiger stadium, which we know is a super tough place to play. And, and Brian Kelly, uh, I think turning things around at LSU faster than even I expected. They're five and two uh, with, with a couple of close losses, by the way, they're really not that far off from being, you know, seven and zero at this point, which would be insane. And so, but I, I look at, you know, the, the matchup here and to me, um, I don't like that, that, you know, again, like I just, there's something about, is it Jalen Daniels or Jaden Daniels? I, I literally do this every show. <laughs> Jaden. Is it Jaden? D. Jaden. I don't, I don't trust Jaden Daniels here. I think that Ole Miss's run defense maybe isn't as good as, as what it's being billed as though. And I think that's going to provide, I think that's why you see this line where it is. Obviously LSU being at home, they're always going to be tough, but I think that Ole Miss's run defense has shown some cracks and, you know, I mean, they gave up, they almost uh, lost to, and they, and they gave up a lot of points to, um, or a lot of yards in the ground to Kentucky, a team that, you know, doesn't even have that great of an offensive line. And again, I look, I, I think that what Brian Kelly is going to do in this game and he'll have some success is just committing to the run against Ole Miss and keeping this low scoring. Um, but, you know, Tyler, again, I, I, th- I think the quarterback edge goes to Jackson Dart and Ole Miss, but this is a tough spot here. And and I, I'm hesitant to kind of bet against LSU at home. What are you doing? Oh, boy. Uh, so, again, a bit of a disagreement from how we're interpreting the defenses here. I see Ole Miss, as you mentioned, that uh, uh, they've had trouble stopping the run, which is totally true. But I see a secondary that can also get exploited. I mean, their schedule this year is really nothing super impressive and you mentioned Jaden Daniels look at there in a second but let's focus on Ole Miss for a sec everyone's high on them right now because they're undefeated but I look at their schedule and all I see is a very very inflated win against the Kentucky team that was number seven in the nation at that time banged up Ole Miss won that game by three points at home yep. so that wasn't a great win they've also beaten Vanderbilt Auburn Tulsa Georgia Tech none of the teams who have the ability to throw so what I think is you're actually I, I agree with you that they haven't shown that they can 
um, you know, put it together for a full game, but they haven't played an offense that I think LSU is capable of. Now, here's what's happening with LSU. It's the, it's the Oregon syndrome. We can't get that fucking Florida State game out of our minds and get how Jaden Daniels played in that game out of our minds. Did you know this year at home, Jaden Daniels is throwing for 73% completions, 1,200 yards, seven wow. touchdowns, one interception, 147.1 quarterback rating. What? If we did a blind resume, that's the last person any of us would have guessed. So For sure. This is a key. This is a betting key, whether you're talking about college football or, or, or the NHL or the NBA. We get things, and I, I say we because I fall for it too. It's easy to happen, right? Human bias leaks in. We get these things in our head that can't get out, and this idea that Jaden Daniels is a average quarterback I think is crazy. He's learned so much from his time at ASU, even his first couple games. He looks like a completely different player now halfway through the season. This is the total Brian Kelly effect, and look, I'll admit the play calling is doing him tons of favors. They're not putting him in any bad situations. One interception yeah, on the matters. That matters a lot. That does matter, but I'm not... Uh, it, it all bakes together. It's all coming together for Jaden Daniels to look like a much better quarterback than I believe people are giving him credit for. Here's another really interesting thing. Look at LSU's offensive efficiency by week, okay? I'm just going to read it week by week, and maybe before I do that, I can pull up uh, uh, LSU's schedule real quick. Just give me a second here. So their schedule uh, so far has been Florida State, Southern, which is not a great game, second uh, week of the year, Mississippi State, New Mexico, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, okay? In those games, here is LSU's offensive efficiency rating in the country for that week. 99th, 87th, 55th, 41st, 33rd, wow. 21st, 7th. I mean, they wow. haven't had one week where they dip from their week before. They're improving, getting better every week, and you really, really see it in the stats. And uh, we talked about Ole Miss's schedule, 98th schedule, uh, so far in the country. And again, their signature win, 22-19 uh, home win against Kentucky. I'm not seeing enough there. Now, this isn't an overwhelming, let's just put all the money on LSU because they have had their issues. Do you know they've played 11 different people on the offensive line for starters this year? This isn't counting the subs or getting guys' legs healthy in the middle of the game. This is starters. They've had 11 different players on the offensive line. Having said that, the efficiency is top 25. So, do they have more of a plug-and-play system where anyone can can be up there on the line? It appears so, but that's a note that we can't ignore. 11 starters there on the offensive line for uh, LSU. And I do have concerns about LSU's health on the defensive line. We know about the injuries they've had. Are they going to yep. be deep enough on the, on the defensive line to stop Ole Miss's running game? That's one thing I kind of come back to for this. If Ole Miss can get, get success and tire LSU out, not so sure LSU has the depth there. And remember, Ole Miss last week, just a week ago, had three rushers over 100 yards. But everything comes back to Ole Miss and the way they performed offensively, or excuse me, the way they've uh, performed defensively against the offenses they've seen. They haven't seen an offense that's capable enough of LSU so far. And I know we don't think offensive juggernaut with LSU, but the offensive efficiency, we did this kind of the reverse order for LSU, the efficiency for the offenses of teams that Ole Miss has played this year, okay, going in order, this is their rank. 101st, 119th, 87th, 91st, 57th, 95th, 69th. Wow. LSU is a, a top 20 team. So Ole Miss has had easy schedules so far with the offenses they played. And I just think Ole Miss could be way more suspect defensively than any of us thought before. So I know this is one of those weird games. LSU minus two at home. It's an undefeated top 10 team. But I, I lean strongly towards LSU in this spot. 
And think about this. If LSU wins this game, they will control their destiny in the SEC. I mean, they have come so far. They're set up in such a great spot right now. It's tough for me to bet against them. And my last note here, it has moved from Ole Miss minus two to LSU minus two. And something I've said before on this show, sometimes that early money in the week, you don't really know. You can't always put all your stock in early money. I know for a fact, syndicates, smart bettors have moved this. This is very, very intelligent money moving this line through the zero to LSU being the favorite. So I've got a strong lean towards LSU minus two here. I think they win this game outright. And I believe that Ole Miss is so overrated right now. Now, I, I understand they're a good team. I've got them, I think, 13th in my ranking, so it's not like some crazy overrating. But you look at their schedule again, and Ole Miss, I think, could end the season with three losses, even four losses. I mean, look, they're at LSU this week. I think they lose this game. Then they go at Texas A&M. There's a good chance they lose that game. Then they've got Bama. There's a good chance they lose that game. At Arkansas, Mississippi State home to end the season. So we're looking at a team right now that I think we look at the end of the year like in like our bowl wrap-up, and we go, I know Ole Miss is good, but can you believe they were 7th at one point in the season? Because I think they're around 25 at the end of the year. So that's my wrap-up. That's my handicap. I uh, strongly lean towards LSU this game. Yeah, I think I'm going with LSU too. And, and to touch on, you know, you mentioned um, throwing out the Florida State game. And the, the truth is that my opinion of, of and you're right, those stats for Jaden Daniels are, are surprising. The, my opinion of him pretty much comes from Florida State. It's one, no, or, or excuse me, Arizona State, um, not right, from the Florida right. State game. It's from his time there where he was not an accurate passer, but he was really good with his legs. So yes, I was shocked to hear those numbers and I didn't look at those. And that's, you're right. That's a testament to the coaching staff setting him up for success, 100%, right? But will we? Because it's not that he's been dropping back and, and and being and dicing people up. It's that they're they're catering the offense to what his skill set is. I agree with that completely. And what we saw the first week when LSU played Florida State was more of that Jaden Daniels. He hadn't had a lot of experience, hadn't had a lot of opportunity. He reverted back to the mistakes he made at Arizona State. So we've seen a great. I mean. His improvement this year has been better than probably any other quarterback in the league, and I agree with you. It's because what they're doing around him, the situations they're putting him in, and I do believe that we have to start changing the narrative of Jaden Daniels. But look, we're going to talk about this in a game coming up. Uh, 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 Taylor Martinez, or is Adrian Martinez Taylor Martinez? I always get those quarterbacks. Uh, Adrian. Adrian yeah. Martinez, who was at Nebraska. He goes to Kansas State. Looks like a completely different quarterback. Same thing here with Jaden Daniels. Goes to from a- ASU. To LSU, completely different quarterback. So coaching matters a whole hell of a lot more than we give it credit for. And Will, let me tell you, after Oregon wins by six this weekend, you're going to be saying, but Bo <laughs> Nix, under, you know, different coaches, even though I know a lot of them came from Auburn, looks like a different specimen under a different school. So, Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've, I, I've dragged Bo Nix enough. I, I, uh, you know, I'm sure he's a nice kid. Um, <laughs> Will's beating that horse to death yes, for years. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'll go with LSU uh, as well, and I think this will be Brian Kelly's first marquee win. And you're right; if they get to six and two, they're bowl eligible, and they are, you know, kind of in the driver's seat at that point. I still, obviously, I, I don't think they're going to have a chance like winning the division or going to the SC championship game. But what Brian Kelly is doing at LSU in his first year already is very impressive. And I, I say, I feel like I say it every week, but like LSU is going to be really fucking good in the future if Brian Kelly keeps on this trajectory. So um, impressed. So we're both on LSU minus two there. Um, next up, staying in the SEC, Mississippi State going on the road at Alabama. Bama, a 21-point home favorite. Of course, they just lose on the road to Tennessee last week. 
Um, Mississippi State having a you know a, a quietly uh, good season. They've been a little bit up and down. So this feels like a big number, especially when you consider you know oh Mississippi State they're an offensive juggernaut and and Alabama's defense has been bad. They gave up a ton of points to Tennessee, but again, ultimately this isn't just like any old offense. This is this is Mike Leach's you know, air raid system and every, it seems like it either works or it doesn't against certain defensive schemes. And you look at since he's shown up, you know, in, in Starkville, um, he's only scored nine total points in, in two games against Alabama so far. Now I do think that this Alabama defense is susceptible, especially through the air, but ultimately with this system, even though it's a mass 21 points is a ton. I think when you combine the fact that, that Saban knows how to stop the air raid, with the fact that they're going to be fired up, obviously after losing last week, it's it's concerning, and, and it leads me to wanting to take Alabama even with a big number. But again, we talked about it at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of the episode, uh, Tremaine Burton. You know, they're investigating. I do suspect that he's going to be suspended. He's going to be out. So, how much does that affect Alabama's ability to to score on on a, frankly a good Mississippi State defense? Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to bet against Alabama here. So ultimately, the pick I'll give out is is Bama minus 21, but it's a lot of points, and it kind of scares me. How do how do you see it, Tyler? Uh, not a real strong play either way on this game because I'm having trouble pricing the distractions for Alabama. You know, the receiver who we've mentioned may get suspended. Uh, Nick Saban having to answer questions all week long about that receiver about the storming the field. What does he think about storming the field? Um, about the health of his team? About uh, the loss. I mean, that matters too. Hey, coach, you lost. I mean, what's going to happen here? I think there's too much going on. And if there's one team who I give credit to that maybe that won't seep into the locker room, clearly Alabama would be top of the list. But we're seeing weird things happen. I mean, whether it's Alabama, uh, uh, the New England Patriots, and Bill Belichick, it's like these dynasties, these coaches who have always had things in line, once it starts going bad, sometimes it crumbles. So for that reason, you know, if I had maybe a contact at Alabama and I heard what the message was, how much time are they spending on last week's game preparation? Is there a concern with some injuries? Are they just full steam ahead? Because I'll tell you this, if Alabama still thinks within the locker room, talking about the kids and the, the players, if they think they can win a championship and still win the SEC and, and achieve everything they set out for, I like Alabama minus 21 here, of course. If there are any distractions, there's something going on behind the scenes, as both you and Ryan alluded to the last couple of weeks, maybe this isn't the same dominant Alabama team. Maybe they do deserve a bit of a downgrade, more than two, three, four points that that we had at the start of the year. You know, the, the, the play could be Mississippi State. So I think there's too many uncertain things to, that I can't really price right now into the line. But Alabama, way too many question marks for me to feel comfortable. Minus 21 at home, and uh, it's a total pass for me. Yeah, I mean, it, the only thing that I, I, like a lot of this stuff makes you want to pick Mississippi State in the points because again, I feel like Alabama secondary is not nearly as good. But you look at, I mean, the last two two years in total, uh, the last two games, Alabama has has outscored Mississippi State ninety to nine. Yeah, so, it, given that, and also the fact that they're coming off a loss, I would not be excited to be a Mississippi State fan right now. No, not at all. This, this is because <laughs> it spot. could go south quick. For sure. And, and, but that's the thing is to, to Tyler's point, like there is a lot of uncertainty. It wouldn't surprise me to see Bama win by, you know, 10 or 13 or 14 points sure. in kind of a close one as well because of the struggles that Bama has had. And you're right. They're just not the same Alabama team that we, that we're used to. It doesn't mean they're bad. Obviously they're super good. They're, you know, a, a missed field goal and, and, it, you know, less than 60 seconds away from beating a really good Tennessee team on the road last week and still being undefeated and being the best team in the country. So it's not a, a total overreaction, but, 
Um, ultimately, I'll go with Bama minus twenty-one here. Tyler's going to stay away. Um, did, did, you guys see not, the, did you guys see the person who posted the video of they put the face filter on Nick Saban? Yes, he was uh, so incredible. <laughs> I don't so, know why. No, all all the face know. filters on Saban, please. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. Like I was just cracking up. I don't know why. Simple things like that just make me laugh well, that's, so hard. That particular face filter, which is it's a Snapchat filter, looks funny on everyone. I don't care who it is. Like yeah. that's just the funniest, <laughs> well, it, funniest I, filter of all time. What I personally think made it funny is it's not that far off. <laughs> what like, actually looks especially with his his angry expression like his eyebrows yeah. go up well his and, eyes and, get really wide and i won't say anything about it because i have it as well but the thinning hair just makes it a million times funnier <laughs> <laughs> he's holding on he's holding on uh if you don't know what we're talking about just google nick saban face filter it went viral you'll see it it's hilarious so um give that a goog um Last but not least, uh, again, probably the biggest matchup here um, as far as, you know, potential playoff spots outside of the SEC. And, and that's Kansas State going on the road at TCU, the two top uh, top ranked teams as far as Big 12 records. And right now we have TCU a three and a half point home favorite over Kansas State. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this line opened with. TCU a six point favorite and a bunch of money has come in on Kansas State and brought this this number all the way to three and a half. TCU of course uh, needs every minute for the comeback victory against Oklahoma State last week at home, and now they bring in a Kansas State team who I believe is coming off a bye. Tyler, is yeah. that right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, and that's a big one because I think that Chris Kleiman is a really good head coach and having that bye week coach is a big deal. Coach Klein, Coach Kleiman. <laughs> Now, TCU, the turnaround job at TCU done by uh, Joey, um, help me out here, Joey. Hey, Joe, the, hey, what, Joey Two-Tone. Hey, Joey Pescatone. Oh, no, that, 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 no, that's the Texas Tech coach. Sorry. TCU, the new head is Sonny Dykes. Um, I like it. Hey, hey, were you thinking of Joey Pescatone? <laughs> it is a Joey, that's the new <laughs> Texas Tech coach, but I'm confusing. <laughs> I was confusing him with, uh, with Sonny Dykes because we have a couple new uh, coaches there in Texas this year, but the turnaround drop by Sonny Dykes at TCU has been incredible. TCU already looking like what we were used to seeing when TCU was kind of at the top under Gary Patterson. Um, but again, same thing could be said for Kansas State and Chris Kleiman, who, of course, Chris Kleiman, if you don't know who he is, he won a lot of championships at, I think, South Dakota State or whatever whatever the North, the, the Dakota State school is that wins the FCS championship That's like North every Dakota other State. year. Yeah. North Dakota State, the Bison, right? <laughs> yes. Um, he came from there, so he's got this guy knows how to win. Now it's different than than doing it, obviously, in the Power Five of the of the you know the FCS. But um, Kansas State, just a really good team, and you talked about it. I'm sure you're going to go, you know, make some points here about Taylor Martinez. He's been very improved. The Kansas State offense is incredible. Between Adrian, Mar- Adrian Martinez, well, you just did it too. <laughs> you said Taylor. <laughs> I, That's his name. No, it's no, Adrian. It's, it's, it's Adrian now Martinez. I, I've I've confused myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you you did the slip. I yeah, I mean. So yeah. it's Adrian. It's Tyler it, planted it, that Adrian. in your brain on purpose. I totally played sure. so I incepted Will. I do this I totally with people's <laughs> names where if I if I get focused on making sure that I say the right one, then I'll convince myself it's the other way right, around. So let me ask you Jones. this. Is it Jaden or Jalen? It's Jaden. Yeah. <laughs> There we right? go. He's gone. Well, Kansas yes. quarterback. Wow. I mean, it, it's just improvement, <laughs> rapid improvement right in front of your eyes. Um, Kansas State, 
look, I, the bye week is huge for me, especially with TCU needing everything to get that win against Oklahoma State. Um, I, To me, this TCU team is still kind of a question mark. Yeah, they've been great so far. They're undefeated, but we haven't seen them do it at a consistent, at a consistent level. And obviously with this being Sonny Dyke's first year, I actually give the edge here to Chris Kleiman. And I think of this Kansas State team, I think their defense is really fast and well-coached and disciplined. And we've seen moments where TCU's offense has completely been shut down at times, right? That Early on in that game against Oklahoma State last week, the TCU offense was non-existent. And Max Duggan, was, they were finding ways to, to close out that running game and keep Max Duggan from playing well. But I think that's hard to do for 60 minutes. Um, I, I, I don't love that the number has already swung so much because I loved Kansas state at, at six points uh, at, at six point underdogs, but at three and a half, I'm still going to take Kansas state, but I got to say, I'm, I'm extremely nervous for this one, Tyler. Um, I'm leaning Kansas state too. So it's not going to be a bet board game. And, and you mentioned it. I mean, I'm not going to rehash, but the scheduling is everything here. Kansas state off the bye, And I mean, TCU didn't just play a tough game last week against Oklahoma State, which went to two overtimes. They played at Kansas the week before, gave up 31 points. They played yep. Oklahoma the week before, gave up 24 points. Played at SMU the week before, gave up 34 points. So it's been a gauntlet, game after game after game. And this is a real thing. Like, like I feel like people say, yeah, well, you, you're going to have down spots, you're going to have up spots, or things like that, but... When it's a team like TCU who looks so good, I feel like the general average fan has a hard time saying, oh yeah, well, it's another tough game. They might be down for it because they only remember TCU looking good against good opponents. I think this could be a huge letdown spot for TCU. And on top of that, Kansas State may be one of the best teams TCU has faced this year. I mean, their efficiency has skyrocketed uh, since uh, uh, Chris Kleiman took over, Coach Klan took over, and they're really <laughs> impressive offensively. Uh, by the way, TCU, let's not forget, they were down 14 points last week in the fourth quarter. Now, if they lose that game, what's the spread, right? I think it's completely different. They're just undefeated, and I think they're getting a little boost from there. Um, and, and keep in mind also that was against a banged-up Spencer Sanders. So Adrian Martinez, I think he's playing even better than Sanders this year. You look at his how he's protecting the football, executing on third and short, fourth and short, second and short, really efficient with that West Coast passing attack, at least when they ask him to. And Kansas State should be able to run the football on TCU. TCU hasn't faced a lot of teams who can just put their noses down and run. Kansas State, 23rd in standard down line yards, 17th in opportunity rate this year. And Deuce Vaughn is number three in the country in yards more than expected. So essentially what that means is if you have the average running back in the country running for Deuce Vaughn, uh, he's gaining... Uh, Deuce Vaughn is gaining third in the country compared to what the average runner would gain. TCU is 66 for their adjusted line yards for their D-line. So I see a bit of a mismatch here aside from everything we talked about with the schedule and the spot. There will also be 25-mile-an-hour wins this game, gusts up to 30 miles an hour. It's going to be an ugly, ugly uh, uh, atmosphere, right? With the weather and just not a good favorable situation for a team that wants to throw the football. And as we know, TCU for sure is the team who wants to throw it here, whether it's Max uh, Duggan, call him Dugan, who I think has looked great this year. I mean, <laughs> for me to fade Max Max Duggan, it's taking a lot. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks this year. I've been so up on him. He's looked tremendous, but it's not a good spot for him because I don't know if they're going to throw the football at all. If one team's going to benefit from the situation, both the weather, the, the, the schedule, 
And uh, hey, it's it's the purple out, right? So they're going on the road. A lot of purple. That's not going to bug them. That's just a little. That doesn't matter. But just a little piece I threw in there. But either purple way, for um, home for both teams. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you, Will. I like Kansas State here plus the three and a half. Um, I'm not making it a huge game because the weather could change by time, right? Uh, Saturday comes around. It may not be as big of a deal. And my handicap, honestly, does change pretty substantially if there's 25-mile-an-hour wind or 5-mile-an-hour wind. Like, it's a very, very different football game, and my handicap would change based on that. But right now, on a Wednesday, I'll take uh, K-State plus 3.5. Yeah, by the way, a little side note. I tweeted this out last weekend, but TCU just, like, magically pulling orange into their color scheme yeah. and, and wearing yeah, jerseys that had orange. Horrible. They're disgusting. It looked like uh, like a Halloween candy. Like It's like purple and orange and black and, and silver. And to do that, that, to do that when you're hosting a team whose actual colors are orange should be uh, against the law. They should be kicked out of the Big 12 for that. To me, that like I, I can't think of something more horrific. Like imagine... Imagine if Michigan hosted Ohio State and just said we're going to rock red jerseys <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. That's that's insane. You can't do that. Dude, it, I, I I said it earlier in the year with Ohio State wearing those all blacks. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I that, turned to that TCU game and I'm like, who? Dude, what team I mean, is this? They were definitely ugly. And well, they've worn those jerseys before. But my whole point is like doing it against a team that's where their colors are orange is just sure. extremely disrespectful, and I hated it. So. Um, put TCU in jail. That's what that was my whole point. Um, uh, okay, so Tyler, uh, are you giving out K State plus three and a half, or kind of a stay away? No, I'm staying away from that. Okay, fair enough. Well, we got two bet boards, so obviously uh, I'm on UCLA. You're on Oregon, and then I'm on Syracuse. You're on Clemson. Uh, now I'm going to give out my my 14 parlay here. Knights the round uh, table or Knights the square table. Knights of the square table. I love it. Uh, my 14 parlay is going to be Bama minus 21. UCLA plus six and uh, LSU minus two. And then my fourth team, my fourth bet is away from, from the games we just picked out, but, or that we just broke down, but Cincinnati minus three at SMU, SMU kind of going through some, maybe some locker room struggles. The, you know, the, I'm not sure that Rhett Lashley is, is being liked by a lot of the players there since Sonny Dykes left and the Cincinnati team, even though they haven't really lived up to, you know, the expectations that Cincinnati had built for themselves. I think they're still a really good team. So I'm going to go with, Cincinnati minus three there for my last pick. Um, Tyler, your uh, square money line dog parlay. All right, let's see here. I'm still, you know why I put a lot of homework into this. I'm still throwing it together here. Um, well, Smitty, Smitty, what are your picks? Okay, yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you my my picks here. Um, usually I don't pick shirt's more than... still off for, for the folks that are listening. These are <laughs> Smitty's right. shirtless picks. <laughs> the shirtless picks. Um, usually I don't... Um, pick more than a couple games from the guy from the games that you guys break down um but last week michigan really showed me that they are a a really really good college football team and i think that other teams this weekend have a chance to prove that as well so i'm giving clemson i think that's one of the teams that's going to show you know that they're contenders so i'll go clemson minus the 13 and a half ucla uh plus the six actually um, I'll go Oklahoma State, and I will go Kansas State, actually. All right. Love it. Kansas State and Oklahoma State. I love it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you see what he did there? He picked he picked one of our bet board games either way, so he can't, he can't end up on one of our bad sides. <laughs> um, and then uh, for my uh, Moneyline Parlay, I give out a parlay every week where there's three 
Moneyline underdogs. So everything's the plus money. And remember, last week I did go one and two in my three uh, leg parlay, but I gave away the winner was the plus five hundred, the Colorado Buffaloes. Right. So, so if you had bet them, if you had bet them individually, you'd still be up. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So my three team parlay, all underdog money line. Uh, we're gonna take Navy at home against Houston. That's currently plus one thirty. Uh, Navy home against Houston. We're gonna take ECU, the Pirates. Arr. At home against UCF. You're all about people that that like ships. Yes, exactly. The Navy midshipmen, the ECU pirates. Uh, You're a man of the sea. Uh, ECU plus 170 money line. And then finally, we're going to take UTEP plus 155. They are home against FAU. So Navy, East Carolina, UTEP, money line, uh, parlay. That pays about 15 to 1. And so, uh, can, we, can we call that your surf and turf parlay? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, surf parlay of the week. <laughs> the miners are, are quite the opposite of people that live on ships. <laughs> yeah, right. But there you go. So it's my uh, little my parlay, little parlay of the week. I love it. Again, like to me, every week feels like it's crucial for the bet board because I have this lead. And even though I <laughs> I am the, the mid-season champion, let's just... We, we've we'll already, grinding, I don't know we've, if we gave out a mid-season champion ever before this. <laughs> we've, we've agreed already. The three of us have agreed that I am the mid-season champion of the bet board. Count it as a win. Yeah. But... I'm very nervous that like the one weekend is going to happen where I get cleaned out. And if I go 0 and 2, all of a sudden things are going to be getting real sketchy. So um, I'm lurking. Uh, I, I'm lurking. Yeah, you are lurking. You're lurking. You're you're always uh, like it's it's kind of like swimming and swimming in the ocean. You're always like I don't know when this shark attack is going to happen, exactly. but it feels like or a sharp attack, you could say. Oh. Um, Hey, uh, thank you guys for listening. Of course, <laughs> follow us on social media at uh, CFB underscore pod. Follow us on Instagram at College Football Tailgate. Go to betus.com. Use promo code tailgate um, and give us five-star reviews and, and tell your friends. If you guys like us, uh, help us grow the show. That's how you do it. So uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you Sunday. 